Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com and by Hancock Whitney. Hancock Whitney is here for families, here for businesses, here for communities during this challenging time. Visit HancockWhitney.com slash COVID-19 for the latest. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. And by Peony on Magazine Street, exceptional women's and children's clothes and gifts. From our socially distanced virtual lunch table in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Aschuti, Tulane University Freeman School of Business professor and director of the Birkenrode Reports. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Aschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. On this show, we invite people to have lunch and talk about their business. One general rule of thumb is we don't invite them to come back a second time unless something is materially changed in their business. Well, the COVID-19 pandemic has certainly expanded our list of potential return guests on Out to Lunch. In the past 12 months, almost everybody's business has been affected in one way or the other. Both of my lunch guests today are making a return visit with very different stories about their businesses and their reactions to the financial fallout of the pandemic. When we first met Desiree Ontiveros in 2017, she'd recently launched her business, Badass Balloons. Basically, the company made balloons with sayings printed on them, sayings that we maybe are too raunchy to repeat on radio. Under Desiree's savvy leadership, Badass Balloons grew into something much more than a novelty business. It grew into a company with an international footprint that does massive balloon art installations for major events. When COVID hit and brought her business to a standstill, Desiree was so incensed by what she saw as a government response that was impotent, incompetent, and indifferent to the professional and personal plight of so many people and businesses that she's decided to try and change the government. While still running badass balloons, Desiree is also running for Congress. Desiree Ontiveros, welcome back to Out to Lunch. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be one of your um, returning guests. I love this show. We first met Amanda Daly in 2014. Amanda had recently opened a store in the French Quarter called Cork, spelled Q-U-E-O-R-K. At Cork, they sold stuff made from Cork. Wallets, shoes, briefcases, handbags, dog collars, and much more. Then they started designing and manufacturing their own Cork products, and business boomed. Within a few years, Amanda and her partner had a chain of five Cork retail outlets, including stores in Florida and New Mexico. When COVID hit, they had two stores in New Orleans, one in the French Quarter and another on Magazine Street. The sudden disappearance of tourist traffic resulted in the French Quarter store closing permanently. The continuing changing landscape of retail has forced Cork to adapt to an e-commerce and online marketing plan while fighting to keep a single store open in an environment that has seen their retail sales plunge by 95%. Amanda Daly, welcome back to Out to Lunch. Thank you. I'm glad to still be here. (laughs) (laughs) Desiree, normally people who run for public office come from one of two backgrounds. They're social activists who want change or they're successful lawyers or business people who want to keep things the way they are. You're a rare hybrid, a successful business person who wants to shake up the system. 
If you get elected, you might conceivably be able to do some long-term good for business and business people. But in the immediate short term, doesn't running for Congress distract you from rescuing your own business, badass balloons, from the current COVID-related crisis it's facing? You know, I think that um, it doesn't need to be an either or. You know, this whole idea of people just looking out for themselves and, you know, and, and only um, having, um, you know, only having compassion for, for their woes, et cetera. I mean, that's why we're in this problem. That's why we've seen the last four years. That's the reason that the government responded like it did to the pandemic. It was every man for themselves. And that's unacceptable. You know, as a community, especially here in New Orleans, we all rise together. When we're all doing well, we're all doing well, you know? And so, yes, it has been definitely difficult to run a business. And, and to be clear, I have stepped back significantly because I would never overshadow the great work that my team has done. Um, they get me for maybe an hour or two every week um, to make definitive decisions, to approve budgets, things like that. Um, but, you know, I have really been hands off, you know, my social media, for instance, for the first time since I started. And so um, it, it has been a very um, interesting transition. But at the same time, you know, I think that I have an obligation to um, carve a path and to, you know, build this ladder and turn around and extend my hand to anybody who wants to take it, you know, um, representation matters. And that matters in the fact that I am a woman of color who came from nothing. You know, my father was a janitor. I was born into poverty and I had to, you know, break through every single obstacle that was put in my place, which is a lot of times, you know, deeply rooted in bias and, you know, racial bias. And, um, and I was able to do that successfully and I will never apologize for be, for becoming successful, you know, but there comes a point when you are successful that you get to decide what you do with that success, you know? And I'm taking my skills that I've learned and trying to apply them for the greater good of everyone. Well, that's a great idea. And Amanda, as I mentioned, when the pandemic hit, you had two cork stores in New Orleans selling your own designs and locally manufactured cork products. When everything suddenly ground to a halt in 2020, you presumably had designs and products in the pipeline for the months ahead. So not only did you have a store full of products with no customers coming in to buy them, but you also had the next six to 12 months worth of inventory on order and probably at least partially paid for. Uh, this sounds like a hopeless predicament from which there could be no obvious escape. A version of the same scenario happened to every retail store up and down Magazine Street and to almost every store in every mall in the country. Other than a return to pre-pandemic levels of foot traffic, do you see any e-commerce or new hybrid model evolving as the path to survival for you and thousands of other retailers? I think that originally when when this first happened um we didn't know for a long time how long this was going to be you know and and so as it went further than that two week you know lockdown or a month lockdown you, you we started looking at it of course and we have you know been around for eight years now and we have a good list of clients that have been shopping with us over the years uh we give them their receipts via email so uh when we first looked at you know, just going online to Google and really expanding our, our options, it's overwhelming because when you're fat and happy on traffic, 
at the tune of what, you know, how many millions of, tra- of visitors come to New Orleans, then you don't really pay attention to the online stuff as far as the SEO and all the stuff that's just, it, it can be overwhelming. The other problem with our product is, is that it's a local, uh, you know, we manufacture locally. We're part of the community. People come here and it's a piece of New Orleans that they can take home. Um, there's not that demand or that need to purchase online. And so we were really having a rough time of it. Um, I will say that in the first month, uh, because we were we were strapped for cash in a way that I can't even describe, all we wanted was to make rent by the 1st of, of April because we closed March 17th. And we reached out to our customers on a Saturday. I, I actually woke up early, drafted an email, told them our situation, and sent it out to all the customers that we've had and said, you know, we're, we're having a sale today because we're heavy on inventory and we want to share that with you guys just so we can have some chance of sticking around. And in, within 12 hours, we had a six-figure uh, amount of sales on our online store. And it was, it was, of course, it was a blessing to me because it also shows how much our customers cared about us. You know, some people were buying stuff and not even taking the discount, you know, just to help. Um, and we did that twice during uh, the first probably six months. And it it definitely helped. Um, but going online and making that a plan, it just, we could not make it work. We're a store that that needs the traffic back. And so the plan is you hang in there as best you can until it, until it does come back at every, you know, taking every opportunity to do custom products and, and wholesale. Um, and, and so far we're still here. You know, uh, Desiree, I was always very, very impressed when I first met you. One of the things that really got me was that when people look at your business growing, you can, it's an easy story to tell. I mean, just physically, like you started off at the Piety Street Market and then you moved to Etsy and then eventually became a full business. I mean, um, that seems like an awful quick adjustment. I mean, do, you saw success and all of a sudden you had to make it work. How'd you do that? Yeah, you know, I think it's just being able to be flexible um, and to also like see opportunities and just work really hard. I mean, that's really the basic, you know, of any entrepreneur in any business, right? Which I'm pretty sure that Amanda can agree with is that if you're going to start a business and you're going to be an entrepreneur, Um, A lot of people love to think that you sit in this ivory tower and like everyone makes your money for you. That is not the case at all. Like I make my money for myself and I hire people to help me do that. But it's never, you know, there's a very, you know, there's this, you know, idea that, that we do nothing. And so I was boots on the ground, you know, before Piety Street Market, remember I was blowing up balloons and then walking around Bourbon Street on Saturdays with these balloons, handing them to tourists saying, hey, here's my balloon company. Here's my card. Can I take a photo of you and your friends for my Instagram? And also what's my Instagram? That is how I built my business on social media. You know, these tourists from, you know, from God knows where were, you know, having the best time of their life on Bourbon Street. I'd hand them some balloons, take photos, put them on social media. And that started the vibe. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Peter Raschuti. I'm talking with Desiree Ontiveros from Badass Balloons and Amanda Daly from Cork, the Cork store on Magazine Street. What do you do now, uh, Amanda? You've, uh, in fact, uh, we had talked just before the show. You've got kind of an empty warehouse 
Is that what you want? And what happens when the switch goes off and all of a sudden there's customers again? Do you, there's obviously going to be a little bit of a lag time. What are you going to do? Well, we're down to, yeah, we have inventory. I would say, you know, if the switch happens, then uh, everybody comes back and we start making things. That's the benefit of, of manufacturing here in New Orleans. Um, but I will say we don't have anybody manufacturing. Some people will come in possibly once a week uh, for repairs or custom items. Um, otherwise, you know, we have 7,000 square foot and I'm the only one here today. We're down to two employees um, and one store. And that's the way we've had to do it to just try to get this far. Um, it has picked up uh, last weekend, not, not this just past from the first weekend in March uh, or very end of, of February. We saw kind of a, huh, I don't know if something's different here. And then this last weekend, it, it just, the numbers were just like last year or, or, or 2019, I'm sorry. Um, and so I, I don't know what that means. You know, you, you, I'm very hesitant to say, okay, let's go. Um, but we've, we've got it to the point where we have the minimum amount of, of debt going out, you know, as far as rent and, and payroll um, so that when we sell the amount of inventory we have is would be a good month. Um, so by the time we sell that, it's time to start making things and we can make things fast. You know, I, I can't help but think that the two of you that run great businesses and have really thought things out might not come out of this stronger and smarter than you went into it. Uh, is, is that too Pollyanna? Well, it, no, I mean, it, it's, it, it's the truth. I mean, it, it's very much, I mean, you, you have your lessons learned. Um, but none of us really could have asked for this one, you know, and I think that you get a lot of attention being in the restaurant business and, and kind of being left behind because of the restrictions there. You get a lot of attention in the, in the uh, hotel industry. But when, you know, the small shops that are dependent on those things being around for your store to survive, um, it, it's there, there's, you know, we've taken the PPP loans and, and God knows we needed them. And especially by the time they funded, it was all we had. Um, and so that has been great for us, but uh, we're going to have to, you know, rebuild and, and come up with some plan on how to make this all worth it. Because as we've sat and, and dr this is dragged out, we just accumulated debt and pushed debt off and extended it and, and put ourselves in a position where um, it, it's got to make sense to keep going. And I, and I hope it does, because I think people have missed, you know, getting out and shopping and buying local. And, and as this all ends, there's going to be a huge influx of people just needing to get out and, and do the things we used to do. And I hope to take advantage of that. But I also hope that there's help uh, from the government or local, just for people who like are like us, and we just it blindsided us. And Desiree, you know, we talked about the incompetence of government. As a business owner, can you be specific on what kind of <laughs> drove you over the top to, to run for Congress? I mean, so many things, really. I mean, look, they tell you this is a democracy, right? Like you get to, you know, write to your elected leaders and they're supposed to listen to you and you get to call them and they're supposed to return your calls. Uh, you get to vote. You get to protest, right? I did all those things in 2020, all of them. 
And there was still no change. And I'm still waiting for a phone for several phone calls back from my elected leaders on this local, state, and federal level. And these, these and so are these topics uh, personal topics or more business topics? They're kind of everything, to be honest. You know, I um, you know, just on a business level, like the PPP loan was not working. It was not built for people like us. You know, it really turned into a low interest, you know, bridge loan for medium sized businesses who had access like to capital. Not, and, you know, I mean, they were yes, not saying they weren't needy, were, but yes, exactly. I mean, you're talking about law firms, things like that, like they, they should have never been first in line for the PPP loan originally. And why is it that that PPP loan fell short the first time? And you know what I mean? And pretty much second time, to be honest, until they intervene. It's because policy is not being written by people closest to the work. These people who are writing ideas for PPPs, they've never owned a company. I laugh when people say like, oh, I own a business and I go to the Secretary of State website. And I'm like, no, there's a difference between owning and operating a business and having a business that is so you can pass income through. Like you are <laughs> not, that is not being a business yeah. owner and entrepreneur. And, and, and so- does- Desiree, I just got to ask you, I don't mean to interrupt you, but when we left the show last time, I didn't know if all your balloons were provocative or your business is bigger than that. Yeah. Can you help me out? Sure. It's definitely bigger than that. Um, you know, most that is our that is our niche, right? Like that is what makes us unique. That's what makes us our brand. You know, that is what makes us us. But at the same time, you know, we don't just sell balloons. We are also, you know, have trademarked confetti. We have pinatas. Um, we have banners. Um, we have a couple of greeting cards. So, you know, we kind of have the whole thing. Um, and then when it came to this last year and just everything being canceled, right? Because we don't, we do mostly very large events, you know, like we are marketing support, right? Rather than decor. So we work with small businesses to attract the eyeballs. So that way people walk into their store, right? Like, what is this? What's happening? Clearly it's a sale. Clearly it's a party. What's happening, right? So that is really what we do on the service side. So because of that, you know, our entire, you know, we are driven by corporate events. We're driven by things that are happening at the um, convention center, you know, things like Essence Fest, et cetera. And when all those things went away, we really, you know, that was a huge part of our income. So I'm, I'm picturing a, a divorce party at Galatoire's, but that's, it's much bigger than that. Yeah, it's much bigger than that, right? And so, you know, our website did, you know, thank goodness we were based, you know, we were like, we were built upon direct to consumer via e-commerce. So we saw a huge uptick on our website. I mean, like it was just, it was overnight and it was kind of the same thing as Madison said, you know, we, we reached out to our list and was like, Hey guys, like, I know you're all sad and I know that you're alone, but we can party for one. Like, here's how to do it. And you would be supporting local and you'd be supporting small businesses. And people did, they responded, they heard the rally cry and they came and our website is doing so well, but um, you know, at the same time, again, our service side was really geared towards helping businesses connect on a marketing level to their clients. So we shifted to if you can't bring people to your party, let's take the party to your people. Hey, Amanda, is, is something Desiree just mentioned, that's why I want to go right over to you, is that that switch from retail to online or expanding online, you had, I think I read that before the pandemic, 90% of your business was retail and maybe 10% was 
um, was online. Is that is that about right? And did it completely flip? Yeah, it flipped. Um, it, and and then we had just started wholesale. So the other stores that were outside of New Orleans, um, our whole goal was to get to the point that we could manufacture at the price point or we could sell it to other retailers. So we had just gone to the show in Atlanta, done really well. We had representatives, we had our own showroom and the orders were coming in. And then as the pandemic hit everybody across the country, those orders were canceled. And so it's it, it was a big part of what we were planning on. Um, the Since the pandemic, you know, uh, online has been, I would say, 80%. Uh, we didn't open our store back up until we never opened the French Quarter back up. It, it was, we finally closed it officially in October of 20, but uh, magazine opened in July. And from that point, even with magazine, you know, open, we were still doing, uh, I would say close to 80% of our business online, usually through sales. Um, but you can only sell cork to so many people who have bought it lots of times. It's just our same client, client uh, group and they do what they can, but we didn't have the funds to reinvent things and make new things. Um, we did it once after the first sale that we did that did so well. Um, we made all new product, but we've been living on that ever since. And, and wholesaling sounds like you've diversified, but it really isn't that you've got a, a, a rep that's uh, representing you and a few others, but the, when it gets down to it, He's just repping it out to other retailers that are also right. heard, right? In the same position, and, yep. And I have to ask you about this because it is pretty exciting. You were on um, The Profit, which is kind of like Shark Tank. Uh, people might be more familiar there. And you did really well. Uh, you uh, sold like a third of the company for $120,000. What happened after that show? How'd your life change or the well, business? We, we still get a lot of attention from that show. You know, I mean, a lot of people have been watching a lot of TV since then. So uh, it was the best thing we've ever done, no matter how humiliated you get. Now, I knew the profit it was, it was the only show I watched because it gave me comfort to know that other business owners were just as uh, had just as many mistakes <laughs> behind them as I had. Um, but Marcus, in, in the end, just because of what we did with the uh most of our employees are are through the uh, youth empowerment project. He he ended up just giving us the money um, and not taking any ownership in it and just being supportive in any way that we needed. So you know I've got his phone number. I can call. Uh, he ordered a lot of stuff for his restaurants and, and some of the stores. But um, he just kind of let us take the ball and, and run. So now that's how we have that this big manufacturing facility. Well, you know that's how we describe out to lunch is like uh, it's like the profit or. Uh, Shark Tank with uh, nicer people and no money. So uh, that's right. uh, they had something. We're glad to work. Desiree. Wait, we don't get paid? <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. It was that, oh, it's in small print at the bottom. They, uh, uh, okay. <laughs> Desiree, get, getting back to how you're going to uh, hold it. The, uh, you know, admittedly, you're kind of a long shot for Congress. But if it works out, uh, you mentioned you're still going to be able to keep the business together. But just with the way you feel uh, politically, do you think you need to completely get out or do you need a new CEO? How are you going to make that decision? Yeah, we um, we will appoint a new CEO. Um, but look, my entire company is based on intersectional feminism. So it is not problematic for me to go out there and voice my opinions. People have been watching me do that for five years. In fact, it's actually our birthday. Oh, right. Happy birthday. Week. Happy birthday. <laughs> they... Thank you. Our anniversary. Yay. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm like, it's coming up soon, but yes, yes. And so, you know, it's been five long years and people have watched the Cinderella story unfold. You know, they have seen it. They've seen me from the beginning, like boots on the ground, you know? And so for me, it's, it's not really an issue. And I think that, like I said, I have a really good team and, you know, we have great vendors and, you know, unfortunately just because of whatever, everything that's going on, you know, supply chain is, is really messed up and, you know, it's very lucky for you, Amanda, that you're able to manufacture locally um, because if you're not able to, I mean, we have just, you know, like, I think people don't understand that, like how much the supply chain and transportation has been affected. Um, but, you know, I think that because we have such great vendors and we're really tight and really close, like we'll be able to continue to do that, right? We'll be, we'll be able to continue keeping on. Um, so yeah, so I, I have no, no worries about it, but look, look, this long shot candidate has been able to change the entire conversation of this race to economic opportunity. No one was talking about that. They thought it was too above people's heads or that it just wasn't of interest. And I'm like, everyone understands economics, like stop being ridiculous. All of us are caught up with the continuing health and financial crisis, uh, brought about by the COVID-19 pandemic on the one hand, we're all going through this together. On the other hand, we all have our individual struggles that are uniquely our own. Desiree, you have both personal and public struggles going on at the same time with your efforts to keep your business badass balloons while operating while you're still running for Congress. And Amanda, your personal battle to keep Cork open is a part of a nationwide struggle for the survival of bricks and mortar retail outlets. Amanda and Desiree, the skills that made you successful business people in the first place haven't deserted you. Although times are extraordinarily tough right now, I have every confidence that we'll be meeting you back here to catch up again in the years ahead. Thank you both for taking the time to join me today on Out to Lunch. Thank you. Thank you so much for having Thank us. Thank you. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Desiree Ontiveros, She's the founder of Badass Balloons and candidate for Congress, and Amanda Daly, founding co-owner of Cork. We edited the show to fit into our time slot here at WWNO. You can hear our unedited conversation and find out more of Desiree's balloon business and her run for Congress and Amanda's adventures in Cork by listening to the Out to Lunch podcast. You can find and subscribe to the Out to Lunch podcast anywhere you get podcasts and on our website, itsneworleans.com. If you want to know what we look like, you can find photos from this show on itsneworleans.com and on our Out to Lunch social media. These photos were taken today by Jill LaFleur. You can find more of Jill's photos at lafleurphoto.com. Very soon, I just know it, we're going to go back to hosting out to lunch around the real world lunch table. For right now, Commander's Palace is open for lunch Wednesday through Friday, dinner seven nights a week, and jazz brunch on the weekends. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. The producer of our show is Grant Morris, our technical producer is Eric Merle, and our researcher is Maggie Mendel. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week for more business New Orleans style on Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com.
and by Hancock Whitney. Hancock Whitney is here for families, here for businesses, here for communities during this challenging time. Visit HancockWhitney.com slash COVID-19 for the latest. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. And by Peony on Magazine Street, exceptional women's and children's clothes and gifts. And by Basics Swim and Gym and Basics Underneath Fine Lingerie. And by the It's New Orleans Happy Hour podcast. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com.